you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome into the 94.3 The Game studios. This is Hoist the Colors, Wednesday, May 17th edition of the program. Really excited about today's show. We're going to be talking some women's basketball with head coach Kim McNeil. We'll get into the baseball game later. Insane game inside Clark Flair Stadium last night. But first, let's welcome in our guest, Kim McNeil. Coach, welcome into the studio. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, big week of basketball programming for us. We had Coach Mike Schwartz on yesterday. Talked a lot about the men's team, which has a ton of momentum, kind of coming off a solid first year. And obviously the women coming off a huge first year, big time NCAA tournament appearance, conference championship. And I guess we'll start there first. What has this, this off season kind of been like for you? Just, I don't know, basking in the glow of that a little bit, trying to enjoy it. You know, your, your life as a coach, it never stops. I mean, you're recruiting, you're trying to re- retain, develop players, but did you at least get some time to enjoy the championship and NCAA tournament uh, run? It's been crazy, um, a good crazy, um, extremely busy. Um, I said I'm going to um, continue to enjoy, you know, winning right. this championship until the new season starts. But, you know, Pirate Nation has been great. The community has been great. Just embracing what we did this year. Um, just excited about the future and uh, just excited about women's basketball. And I don't know if Greenville has been like that yeah. in a really long time. So it, it's really um, it's really fun to see, and I'm just really proud. The buzz last year down the stretch and, you know, being at the, the Houston game inside Minji's Coliseum where you all had the monster comeback and you just kind of got that special feeling about, hey, this team is really something. They kind of have that, that special feeling to them and obviously that carried through the, the AAC tournament to winning it and we'll get into maybe some of the, the heroics and all that sort of stuff down the stretch. But I want to first congratulate you on the contract extension through 2027. Um, I talked to John Gilbert towards the end of the season. So this was already in the works before yeah. the NCAA tournament <laughs> appearance. So I don't want anybody to think like that was the only reason you got the extension. Y'all, y'all made clear progress uh, this past season uh, on and off the court. You're developing players the right way. So just I know that had to mean a lot to you to, to get that extension. It did. Um, he actually, I think it was before the Houston game, he came in and, you know, told me that he was going to extend my contract. And you have no idea what weight that took off my shoulders. And he said it, too. He's like, you know, just relax and finish out the season strong. But, you know, obviously it took us a little bit longer, you know, to build a program that I anticipated. But, um, you know, rebuilding is it, not easy, you know, when you're dealing with COVID, yeah. when you're dealing with the portal, when you're dealing with NILs. You know, there, there, there's a lot that goes into that, um, but I wanted to do it the right way. And that's what I told him last spring at my end of the year meeting. I said, I want to do this the right way with good young women that not only win on the court, but also win in the classroom and in the community. And we've been able to do that. Kim McNeil in studio with us, coming off a 23-win season in NCAA tournament appearance. And, you know, we talked about it, the adversity you guys faced early on. You, know, you lost some key players to the portal. Mm-hmm. I mean, every nobody's immune to it. Um, it's it, it's hitting everywhere in every sport, and uh, you, you know, ups and downs to the first three years in, in a tough league. I don't think people realize how good the American is in women's basketball. But you know, did it just take some time too to, to really learn how to navigate maybe the landscape of you know a sport that really was changing when you took the job because the transfer portal was just being introduced then, and NIL comes along. So did it, it just take a couple years to kind of learn maybe what is the best formula to work at ECU? Yeah, I mean, if you look, like you said, our league is extremely tough. 
Um, every year we have at least one or two teams in the top 25 and some unbelievable coaches. I mean, really, really great coaching in this league. And, you know, ECU is, is unique to the American. We're the only school that's a college town. You know, we're not in a major yeah. city. So recruiting is different. You know, other teams in our in our league, they're in major cities that have, you know, an airport 10 or 15 minutes down the road. You know, we've been told no because it's hard for parents to get here. You know, so there's a lot of different obstacles that, that we have to deal with when it comes to recruiting the ECU. But once we get them here, they love it. You know, it, it's just getting 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 them to Greenville but you know the the portal really hurt us you know we, we lose LaShawn DeMont you know my second year we lose um Tania Thompson you know my third year and you know chemistry is really big and I'm really big on chemistry and um you know when you're losing players like that each and every year and you're rebuilding every year it, it just it really takes time but I, I really think the freshmen they came in this year, Amaya, Bobby, and Jayla. You know, we had recruited them for two, two to three years, and they really wanted to be at ECU. And they really had a pride about wearing the purple and gold, and I think that just really took us to another level. Was there a point last season as a coach where it kind of clicked, where you're like, man, we really have the, the team to really do something special here? Was there a game or a moment or a practice where it kind of clicked for you guys? You know, I really think the game that, you know, Got them to believe. I always mm-hmm. believe. Right. And our coaching staff, we always believe. We knew we had enough to, to be competitive in the American. But I go back to the SMU game at SMU. Right. You know, we get down by 16 at halftime. And, you know, we, we had been on a little bit of a run, um, one, two or three games in a row. I can't remember how many it was. But we didn't play a good first half. And, you know, if you go back and look at my past teams, we, we struggled on the road. Like, my last three years, we could not win on the road. And so we go in down at 16 at the half, and we give them this, Really good speech. Coach Corey is diving on the floor, you know, getting them all pumped up. And then we come out, and SMU scores the first two points. And after that, we just we just started doing all the little things, you know, diving on the floor, rebounding, brought it back, took the lead. They took the lead. We go into overtime. And at that point, we just we weren't mature enough to finish out games. Um, but at the end of that game in the locker room, I saw 15 young women that believed that they belonged in the American where I hadn't seen that in previous years. So I think that's really the game. Even though we lost, that was a game that we learned from and that kind of took us over the hump. And ECU ended up finishing 11-5 in the conference. Got a first-round bye, which y'all made the most of during the conference tournament, of course, and then you know made the run beating Tulane, getting the revenge game yeah. out of the way, <laughs> uh, then beating Memphis in an absolute uh, dogfight, and then the Houston Conference Championship game, I mean, that was two defensive teams going toe-to-toe. I know you had to be maybe a little worried in the first quarter with just two points on the board, but it says a lot to me, like, that y'all, that didn't even phase y'all. Y'all overcame it and still found a way to win the game. And I guess a really good defensive team in Houston, and obviously you guys are a really good defensive team as well. Yeah, two really good defensive teams, but in a different way. You know, they're all man-to-man going to get up in you, and they really came out and made a point to really, I would say, bully us in the first half, which is very physical with us, wouldn't let us breathe. And, you know, I saw our young kids kind of, you know, take a step back and eyes were really, really big. And, you know, I, th- I don't think we scored till about the four-minute mark. And I'm pacing up and down that sidelines. I'm like, are you kidding me? Please don't let us go scoreless. But, you know, that was a new environment for every yeah. single player on that team. And I knew if I would have lost my mind and started going crazy, they would have done the same thing. So I just kept smiling, kept telling them, keep defending, the ball will, uh, will drop. And, you know, at halftime had a really good speech. I was like, look, guys, we're not scoring, but they aren't either. You yeah. know, and finally the, the ball, you know, started going through the hole and we were able to um, be on top when the buzzer went off. And then the week after that, the build up to the Texas game, you know, not, not a real favorable draw <laughs> having to go to not Austin, Texas against a really good team. But, 
uh, being a part of the selection show, uh, all the emotion, the you know the pageantry of that, and, and getting the experience. And I'm sure there are things you probably learned from it, and also that you really enjoyed. So take us through that week, what it was like to experience the selection show, and also the game, and kind of that whole uh, encapsulate the whole experience. Yeah, well, when we played Houston, you know, the final speech after our shoot around, I told them at the end, and I told them to close their eyes and envision, you know, them seeing themselves, their names called on Selection Sunday, and I told them it will be something that they will never, ever forget. You know, I did it as a player, and I've done it, you know, now eight times as a coach, and that's when it's real. That's when it really sets in, when you see your name flash across the screen, and so, you know, on Selection Day Sunday, I mean, I just, it was it was amazing. My My heart just was overflown for them just the excitement for them for all the hard work you know all the criticism that we've taken you know over the last three years um and for all of our hard work to to finally pay off i was just so excited for them you know leading into that week you know i don't think we um prepared like we needed to prepare you know as coaches we were trying to tell them like you know there's 68 teams playing now and everybody's really really good I, i think it was um them just excited that they had made it right. and not understanding what it would take to prepare. Um, and, and so, you know, they were they were overwhelmed when we got – even when we got to Texas, you know, seeing the facilities and, and all the nice things that they have, um, I think we were really kind of thrown back a little bit. Um, the crowd was crazy. I mean, it was an unbelievable environment. Um, but, you know, at the end of that game – I think some of them were extremely embarrassed. And when we had the end-of-the-year meetings, they all talked about how they were embarrassed and how they, you know – Want, want to do it again and, and how they've learned and, and how it will be different next year and when we get another opportunity at it. And Texas was huge. I mean, uh, just watching them on TV, they were they were giants. So I know it was a tall task to, to contend with their size and talent and certainly a, a great learning experience and a great uh, experience overall for, for you guys. And um, let's talk about the returning roster because it's yeah. not like y'all are – you know, rebuilding at this no. point, y'all, y'all have basically everybody coming back. You're starting five, uh, Micah Dennis, Ania Johnson, Morgan Mosley, Danae McNeil, Amaya Joyner, Jayla Hurt, Bobby Smith, Kamora Jenkins. So eight returning players, and we'll get into some of the newcomers in a little bit. But um, just how excited are you to have this core back and the commitment for them to return? With the day of the portal. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> the fact that we're bringing back all five starters, I think that just says a lot about um, our environment. Um, the culture that we've established here at ECU, you know, the Pirate Nation, the support that they gave us throughout this run and throughout this year. Um, I'd be willing to say there's probably not 10 other schools that can say they're bringing back the whole starting lineup. You know, people graduating, things like that, but not jumping on the portal. So, you know, last week um, I tried to stay up till midnight on Thursday. Um, couldn't do it, but I woke up first thing Friday morning and sent my staff you know, unbelievable messages thanking them for everything that they've done and that we beat the portal. Yeah. And just sent those eight, you know, a message telling them, you know, how grateful I am for them. You know, they took a chance coming to ECU, and, you know, we've got a lot more winning to do. But really, really excited um, about the returnees. They're excited, too. Um, they've been here. They went home a couple of days last week, and they're back. I mean, they're in the gym. They've been working. I looked last week. It was May 1st. I remember the day, and I hear – People out on the gym running, and I look, and they're out there running sprints on May 1st. That's never happened since I've been here. So those eight are fully committed. Um, They've been working ever since we've been finished playing, and they're just excited about their, their new teammates to come in on June 11th. A lot of reasons to be excited for sure, and Danae McNeil having a phenomenal year. Uh, the Clemson transfer really comes into her own with you guys' program, and 
uh, one of the more athletic players I've seen in this program. And it's almost like y'all have it down to an art on the fast break. You get the rebound. and <laughs> like how, how much do y'all practice that? Because she's so fast and gets ahead of the defense. But the outlet pass has to be there or it's a turnover. So, like, is there an art to it almost to, to hit her on the outlet or, or any of the players, really? You know, our first 15 minutes of practice, no matter what time of the year it is, we open up with fundamentals, you know, layups three-on-two, two-on-ones, because that's a big part of who we are. You know, we score a lot off of our our defense, and we want to get out and transition. So we work on a lot of layups. We work on a lot of three-on-twos, two-on-ones, and it's a big part of what we do, a big part of our practice every single day. And just to see the the way, and obviously the portal's good and bad, so Mm -hmm. you've been able to bring in players that have succeeded, like Micah Dennis, Mm -hmm. Danae McNeil, and and Kamora Jenkins. So how much – you know, does it help you on the recruiting trail to go to other women and say, hey, we can bring these players in who maybe didn't play as much as they wanted to at other schools, but they can really succeed here? Definitely does. Um, you know, Danae was being, you know, a newcomer, I mean, um, a most improved player, uh, all defense, first team, all conference, and then Micah having a year that she had, you know, a lot of these kids, when they get on the portal from Power 5, they play 10 or 12 minutes and think they can go back Power 5. Yeah. You know, um, it doesn't always happen that way, but those two trusted. They came here, and they've had unbelievable careers. And But, you know, I still want to recruit high school, and, that, and that's what we'll that's, – that's going to be our bread and butter. We'll use the portal for what we didn't get, but, you know, every, these last two years I've bought in four freshmen, and that's what we'll continue to do. Amaya Joyner, the, the hometown product, was a freshman and had a great, uh, outstanding freshman year. Uh, obviously, from Farmville Central, got a ton of buzz, big-time recruit, top 100 player you were able to keep home. How happy were you with her first year? I mean, she clearly made a, you know, a lot of impact plays. And it, I don't know, maybe it's just me as the watcher, but I'm like, a casual watcher, but I'm just like, her ceiling is so high if she can put it all together. So how do you how do you keep her improving as well? Yeah, Pirate Nation has no idea. <laughs> I mean, watching her in workouts, watching her um, in practice, she, she just has so much more in her arsenal. You know, she's still young, too, and she's still learning. And, you know, the beginning of last year was rough for her. started off, you know, she had COVID and she had the flu, in and out. Um, so it was a rough start for her, but once she started to figure it out, you can see her slowly, slowly starting to progress, you know. She's such an unselfish player. She loves to pass. I have to get on her about passing. Please score the ball. Um, but she's still learning the game. She's started learning the mental aspect of the game. Um, you know, at Farmville Central, probably the tallest person she played against was, what, 5'9", 5'10"? Right. And now she's going against 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", every night and just learning to play with that physicality, getting her body stronger. Um, but she she's working. She's in, she was in the gym when I left. She was in the gym yesterday. She's running miles. Like, she really wants to be great. It's just her learning and understanding how to be. Sania Johnson, I want to highlight her just because she just seems like a complete class act on and off the court and uh, leader. She was just, what, the Scholar Athlete of the Year, yep. I believe, uh, as well. So, a uh, tremendous asset to your program. How much does she mean to you guys? Sania's huge. She's our rock. Um, she's a leader by example. Not as vocal, um, but she's, she's a perfectionist. Um, she wants everything to be perfect, and when it's not, she gets down on herself. That's probably her one downfall. She's very hard on herself. She's had one B since she's been at ECU. It's tough. Yeah, and she's, you know, 
3.9 GPA. So as hard as she works on the court, she works just as hard off the court. She's already got a plan. She's going to, you know, go get her MBA. Like she, she, she's, she's just the full package, you know, and she was very good for our young kids this year, especially Mama. You know, when Amaya would, you know, get in her head and start to get down on herself, you would see Sunia being the first one to go over to her and grab her and kind of get her back um, settled down. But she's been huge for our program defensively. You know, Danae got defensive player of the year, but Sunia is really, you know, our rock to start off in our press and dropping back into our matchup. She's Tim McNeil. Let's get our first break in. We'll talk about some of the newcomers into the program on the other side. We'll also get into your questions as well. We're live on YouTube and Facebook, so drop us any questions you have, and we'll get to those in this program. We'll be back on Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Everything you need to know in the world of ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back to the program. Excited to have Kim McNeil, head women's basketball coach, in studio. We talked about the, the tournament run and also the AAC championship in our first segment. Also talked about the returning players. Let's get into some of the newcomers, coach, and a couple of big transfer additions, uh, Talia yep. and Tatiana Weish. Yep. And uh, I know you recruited these two girls out of high school, and you get them on the, 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 tra- the transfer portal market. So what does it mean to have these two women in your program? It's huge. You know, I told them, they're finally coming home. Yeah. You know, I spent a lot of time in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, you know, three years ago. Um, thought I had them. Um, Talia, um, the taller one, um, wanted to come to ECU. Um, Tatiana wanted to stay in Florida. And they're extremely close. They're very, very, very close. I think Pirate Nation is going to have a hard time um, being able to recognize the two unless they were their hair different. But, you know, that's, that's a lot of what we've been doing on the portal is getting kids the next go-around. You know, Kimmy Jenkins, we recruited her, you know, out of high school as well. And so, you know, we're very familiar with the twins. We're very familiar with their games. We're very familiar with their family. Um, I just think they're going to be a great addition, going to help Mama, you know, down low, give us some more size at 6'3 and 6'2, very physical. Tatiana is more physical, um, hard-nosed rebounder, defender. Talia is more of the score. Um, but I think they both are going to have really good careers in the American. I know you all had some older girls last year who had some size, but do you feel like these two will really kind of help take Amaya's game to the next level practicing against them? I do. They're, they're more athletic. They're more mobile, you know, and the way we play, you know, getting up and down and our defense, you got to be pretty mobile. And so they're, they're, bo- they're both very mobile. Um, Tatiana, you know, she averaged – great offensive rebounder. So I think, you know, and we can talk about this more, but in recruiting now we're able to fill more holes now. Mm-hmm. You know, prior to the first two or three years it was just getting players. Now we're filling holes. And I think Tati definitely helps us in the rebounding because I think that was one of our Achilles heel last year was, was rebounding. My mom, you know, would have 17 rebounds and the next person would have three, right. you know. <laughs> so I think she really helps from that. And then I think Talia is another scorer down there that can help and be the recipient of some of Mama's passes and things. So I think regardless of who's in between Amaya, Tati, or Talia, it's going to be a hard um, duo to, to be able to guard down there. All right, let's get to some of the questions on Hoist the Colors. We've got a lot. We'll see how many we can get through um, in, in this, this program. And uh, First off, somebody wants to know your thoughts on each of the incoming recruits in terms of we just touched on the transfers, but you also got four freshmen, Kaya Miller, Karina Gordon, Jaden Cook, and Jade Tillman. So if you could, run maybe through a scouting yep, report of those quick. four. Yeah, Kaya, um, our second top 100 recruit. Yeah. You know, I think that's huge, you know, for a program like ECU, you know, to get top 100 kids, four-star kids to be able to come here. You know, Kaya is um she's going to be very similar to Sania as far as the leadership goes. Um just a very vocal kid, very mature, um can shoot the ball. 
Um, great pull-up, plays hard, has played on the number one high school team in the country for the last two or three years, so all she knows how to do is win. Right. And that uh, that's obviously something that you want a part of your team, a winner. Um, so she's going to be very good for us. Karina, Go- Karina Gordon can shoot the cover off the ball, um, deep range too. Very smooth, can score on a pull-up, can get to the rim. Um, but she's also won like four state championships um, as well in the state of Florida, so she's also a winner. Um, Jaden Cook is a, a 6'1", um, 6'2", post player that can stretch the floor a little bit. She can handle it, not as well as Amaya, but she can put it on the floor, but has a really smooth stroke um, from about 15 to 17 feet with the ability to stretch it to the three, too. So that that's exciting for us, and she's a good rebounder. And then Jay Tillman. Jay Tillman, I think, is going to be the dark horse of the four. Um, I love that kid. She um, She's just a worker. She played um, AU with Boo Williams, um, with Jayla Earp. Jayla Herp, a year under her. So I got to see her a lot, Jayla's last year, and they were really small that year. And Jay's about six foot, but they would put her on six three, six four, and she would battle. I mean, she's just really hard nosed, can play the three, can play the four, put it on the floor, um, shoot the three, rebound, and just a really tough, hard nosed kid that I'm I'm really, really excited about. Excited about all four. Um, I think this is another really, really good recruiting class for us. Um, so the the future looks really, really bright for ECU women's basketball. Yeah, back-to-back years with top 100 recruits and also, you know, Jayla Earp and Bobby Smith showed flashes last yeah. year. So they're really excited about the, this young talent along with the, the transfers you guys have brought in. Um, second question from ECU Jackie Moon. He wants to know, in her view, what are some of the weaknesses you saw last year? How does coaching staff plan to address them to continue uh, to improve? Yeah, I think everybody knows we didn't shoot the ball too well. (laughs) You know, so as I said a few minutes ago, we've been able to really recruit kids that can fit a need. Mm -hmm. Um, And going in, obviously, two needs that we felt like we needed was some kids that could shoot the ball. Um, I think all four of these kids can do that. You know, I told my staff, don't bring me anybody that can't shoot the ball. (laughs) You know, so with those four, they all, especially with um, Kaya and Karina, they can shoot the cover off the ball. And then the other two, you know, being in that four or three spot, you know, they can shoot a, a good good as well. But And then rebounding. You know, we needed to fix the rebounding piece because um, you look at the Texas game, um, you look at the Memphis game and some other games. I think every year we've gotten better with our rebounding, but I, I still think it was something we needed to fix. So I think the Twins um, really help us in that area as well. What do you feel has made the difference in your staff in terms of being able to recruit multiple top 100 players to the roster is what somebody wants to know. You know, I just it's just who we are. You know, um, obviously our, our staff is a little unique in having a husband and wife on right. staff. Um, and, and parents really love that, like especially for their, their young daughters. Like they want to make sure that, you know, they're going to be taken care of and that they're going into an environment where not only they're winning championships, but where they're being developed as young women. And we really make an emphasis emphasis on that, especially myself. Um, I, I was brought here to win championships, and obviously we did that this year. But I also want to develop them. I want to get them ready for the real world. And so when we're recruiting them, we don't just talk basketball. We talk about all the other things that we do and just them being taken care of and being in a family environment. And Parents really like that, especially moms. Like they want to make sure their daughters are being taken care of. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to to preach family atmosphere if you're another program going up against a, a staff <laughs> with husband and a wife Definitely. on staff. I mean, that's awesome. I know your kids are always around the program always. too, <laughs> uh, and around town playing some baseball. Baseball game last night, right? Yeah, we didn't do too good against Remax, but um, you know, my little league is is great here. It's been great for our family. You know, a lot of people in the crowd are, are little league yeah. um, families and stuff. And, 
you know, now our players come out. You know, my son had a game on Saturday, and Amaya was at the game, and I tell you, she's like a superstar. All the little, the yeah. little baseball players are running up to her and saying, hey, number 23. I mean, they feel like they know her. So, you know, our team come out, and they support our family, and, you know, just as, um, you know, my, my, my two twins love coming to ECU games. That's awesome. It's, it truly is a special place, obviously, Greenville and ECU. It goes hand-in-hand, so that's, that's great to hear. And um, back to, to some of the questions, Berg Pirate wants to know, how has winning – you know, the American Championship and making an NCAA tournament appearance change recruits. And I know this class was almost pretty much solidified, you know, before that run for the most part. So maybe this will impact maybe next year's class a little more. Yeah, we're already seeing it. Obviously, you know, recruiting, you know, we're recruiting 24s, 25, mm-hmm. 26. It, it never ends. And so, you know, really our focus next year, I mean, with the portal, you just never know. So we have to recruit all five positions. But next year going into with Micah Dennis being, a, you know, uh, this being her final year of eligibility, we need a point guard. Um, Danae McNeil, you know, leaving, we need another guard that can score. But our emphasis is really on the point guard spot. And we're on we're on some kids that are very interested in us that have Power 5 offers. And, you know, you can say to some of those kids, you know, you might go there and play Power 5, but are you going to win a championship? You know, you come to ECU, you have a chance to win a championship and to play major minutes as a freshman. So it's definitely paid its dividends and it's definitely helping the fact that we have now won a championship. Got a couple of questions about scheduling, and Christian Bateman wants to know what does our schedule look like for this upcoming season. I don't, you know, contracts are still being yep. finalized, so I know that you can only say so much, maybe. And um, somebody also wants to know, kind of goes with this: Has the NCAA appearance helped with scheduling, or are you hearing the same answers as before? <laughs> well, as you said, Stephen, we can't. Some of the contracts are still, you know, haven't been signed. But I can tell you, Pirate Nation, we've got a. A, a treat for you coming to Menji's, and as soon as that contract is signed, we'll, we'll let you know. You guys are going to be extremely excited about it. But um, winning has made it pretty tough. Yeah. You know, um, nobody wants to come and play us now. Back in November, everybody was calling, knocking on our door. You know, now people don't want to play us, um, and that's to be expected. You know, so it has made it a little bit harder. Normally, we're done with our schedule a month ago. Um, Corey just finished it like two days ago. You know, so it has made it a little bit harder. We are going to the Bahamas. Um, well, we will get in two power fives there. Um, it could be Penn State. It could be Purdue. It could be Arizona State. You know, it could be any of those teams. So really excited about our schedule this year. This will be the best team we've had since I've been at ECU. So we did want to up the ante a little bit with the schedule and, you know, give these young ladies an opportunity to play against some of the best. So when we make it back to the NCAA tournament, you know, we, we've had that experience of playing some top programs. And obviously, y'all have to try and find that balance of you. Yeah. You don't want to over schedule, no. but you also want to give yourself a shot at, at yeah. large, you know, because y'all had a top 100 net last year. Probably, you know, good enough for the NIT if y'all didn't yeah. win the automatic. But what's that balance like? Trying to figure out, hey, who should we schedule to, you know, not get or to give ourselves a chance to have a really good non-conference record, but also have a good resume. Yeah, I mean, you you have quads. You know, you yeah. have your, you know. 1 through 25 RPI rankings, and you have your 25 through 50, then your 50 through 100, then your 100 through 150. So you want to have certain teams within those quads. And, um, you know, my goal is going into conference play. You know, with the rearranging of our conference, right. we're going to 18 league games this year. So that moves us down to 11 non-conference games versus 13 last year. So my goal going into conference play, I want to have at least – eight to nine wins going into conference play, you know, to get off to a good start. Last year the schedule was a little dummy down, but I felt like we needed it. I felt like the young women needed to learn how to win um, and not the schedule to be too overpowering. Um, And I thought we did a really good job of that, and I thought that really helped us going into conference play because we learned how to win some games. Kim McNeil with us, and we could do a whole 
a whole hour maybe on this topic, but we'll see how much we can uh, address in a short period. So uh, Michael Bond wants to know, other than consistent winning, what do you think you know would be the best way to improve the attendance numbers for the women's team inside Minji's? And I will say at the end of last year, you know, covering some games, it, it, there was a buzz in Minji's for you guys. So I know that had to be a welcome sight, and um, y'all have had crowded games in the past. So I don't know, can you try and answer that as best as possible? <laughs> Who asked me that, Michael? Yeah. Yeah, Michael, appreciate the um, question. That's the million-dollar question. Um, definitely going to put our heads together this off season to try to figure out, you know, how we can keep that attendance looking like we did against Houston. Because I don't think you guys realize that that's extremely important. You know, in, the, in years past, I've told my staff, Let, let's not bring recruits to games. You know, the attendance was so bad. And that, that can hurt you yeah. in recruiting. You know, players want to play in front of people. They want to see the support. You know, and I'm always telling how supportive Pirate Nation is. But, you know, when they come to games and they don't see anybody in the stands, it kind of makes me look like a liar a little bit, you know. Um, but, you know, just continue to get the word out. I think sometimes people don't even know we have games, you know, so we got to do a better job of, you know, marketing the games and, you know, letting people know, you know, that we, we do have games this year. I thought we did a really good job with Little League. Um, also, my daughter plays softball at Sarah Law, so a lot of those games when the attendance was a little bit better, you, that's what you saw, um, those, those kids there. Um, I think we do an extremely good job in the community. We have a great relationship with ECU Health, and so we have a lot of the nurses and doctors come out. Obviously, I have my, my annual diabetes awareness game. That's always a good game for us. Um, but we got to continue to do promotions. Uh, we got to continue to get the word out. And, you know, people just got to buy tickets. They got to buy their season tickets. And, you know, after the Houston game, I bet I had 50 people come up to me and say, this is the first women's game they've ever come to, and they will be back, and that they are going to buy season tickets next year. I hope, you know, people hold to their word, and you just got to bring a friend. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend, and, you know, bring them on out. I, and I can tell you, I mean, we we at Hoist of Colors probably haven't covered enough women's basketball, but covering some games at the end of last year, I'm definitely going to be back a lot more next year. So it, it was a ton of fun. And, you know, the, the Houston game, even the Memphis game that y'all fell at home, like y'all battled. I mean, so, it, you know, the, I just think it's a lot of fun. I can't encourage people enough to go to Minji's to support this team, especially with what's coming back. It's going to be a fun season. Um, a few more questions, Coach, then we'll get you out of here. And uh, Chess Pirate, he says, you know, last season y'all kind of used being picked last as a rallying cry. What kind of respect maybe do you expect this season? Because it may be the opposite. And how do you, you know, plan to kind of motivate your team that way? You know, it'll be interesting to see where they pick us. We definitely won't be last. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but with six new teams coming to the league, I don't think anybody really knows what to expect yeah. from them. And really, I don't know if you know what to expect out of any team with the portal, you it's know, with, with kids coming and going and not knowing their rosters. Um, but, you know, every year we have we, – we put something across our, you know, practice jerseys. I think my first year was family. One year was mentality. Last year was culture. Um, this year it's going to be respond. I like that. We're putting respond on the back of our practice jerseys. How do we respond, you know, to last year's season? You know, was it good enough? Are we satisfied? Um, and so, you know, that that's going to be the motivation is, is respond. You know, we they all sat and talked about how they didn't like how the last game finished, um, how they didn't like how we finished out against Texas, how they didn't like being picked last. You know, so how do we respond to, to last season? And I think so far they've done a really good job with that. I, I can't be more happy with the commitment that they have these eight have given us um, since the season ended. Just Player-led, and, I, and I'm a huge believer of championship teams are player-led. 
Um, and that's what they're doing right now. They're leading each other. They have volunteer workouts that they're leading each other in mile runs. They're leading each other in workouts. And you know, every morning when I walk into my office at 8 o'clock, you know, my office overlooks the practice facility. I hear music going. I hear balls bouncing. Then again at 2 o'clock, I, hear, I see them out there running or I see them out in the community running. And, you know, that's just an unbelievable sight for a coach. So, you know, you asked me this time last year if I was ready for the season to start. I would have probably said no. You asked me today, yeah, I'm ready to get the whole team back. I'm just excited to have everybody back um, to see what we're going to look like. We talked about NIL earlier, and, you know, from what I've heard, it's, it's bled heavily into women's basketball now as well. And um, just somebody wants to know, have you witnessed any tampering within your program as far as, you know, I guess other teams trying to recruit players off your roster. And, you know, I hear, I hear about it in football, men's basketball. So I'm sure it goes on in women's basketball, especially with the talent you guys have. So, uh, what you know, they want to know about that and also your overall opinion of NIL and the current state of college athletics. <laughs> um, well, the tampering, it happens every day. Yeah. You know, um, I you know, obviously, you know, Maya Joyner, you know, she could have went Power 5 out of high school and she chose to stay home. Um, at East Carolina and put her home school on the map, which she definitely did. So that's one I'm always going to be, you know, nervous and concerned about. But, you know, I feel like we've developed – Amaya's like my my daughter. Right. I I love her to death. She loves me. We have an unbelievable relationship. But, you know, people are hounding her all the time. Um, So, Pirate Nation, you got to help me keep her here in Greenville. Um, But um, the NIL, it's definitely changed. I mean, kids are getting on the portal because they want a better NIL deal. You know, I never thought I'd see it in women's basketball, but this year it really took a leap um you know you're seeing female players with two point making two million dollars off of nil deals um you're seeing kids leave and and go to other places to get a hundred thousand dollars here fifty thousand dollars there i mean it's crazy it's changed the game i mean because now you know relationships aren't the same it's a business um it's all about the money it's all about you know who can pay the most money and kids are you know we're on the portal and their contact person was their nil agent i was like wow this is crazy so you know, we can people can sit out there and say, "Oh, you need to win, you need to do this, you need to do that." But we have huge obstacles as coaches yeah. that we're working against right now, and it's not easy. Winning has never been easy, and our jobs have just got even harder with the portal and with NILs. It's it's just crazy because like all of what we're talking about is technically illegal, yet it's going on. Like, and everybody knows it, but nothing's being done about nothing. it. So, I mean, the NIL was instituted for players at a current institution to benefit from it, not to be used as a recruiting tool, yet here we are. It's going on in every sport as a recruiting tool. So, I don't know. NCAA, please do something about it. Not that they're <laughs> listening to us, but, yeah. but it would be nice to uh, to see them do something. Um, Pirate Treasure wants to know kind of a you know personal off-the-court question here. What, you know, what have been your favorite Pirate sports to check out other than, obviously, your team? Mm-hmm. I see you at a bunch of events as well, you know, checking out the men's game, checking out baseball. So, um, you know, and Little League as well. So what, what do you kind of like to check out when you're not coaching your team? You know, it's just a, I think it's a great time for ECU athletics right now. Yeah. You know, football is definitely going in the right direction. Um, Mike Swartz is doing a great job with fo- with basketball. Lacrosse had a great year. Baseball always does well. Um, soccer had a yeah. great year. You know, we had a great year. You know, so I try to go out and support the athletes and the other coaches as much as I can. Um, this past season, ECU Athletics, the coaches, the players were so supportive, you know, sending videos to us. Um, coaches were t- constantly texting me, showing up, you know, when we got home on that Friday night after winning the championship. So I only feel it's fair and right, you know, to go out and support them as well. Um, my kids love it. 
you know, we'll go, if there's a baseball and a softball game going, we'll go back and forth. One day we hit a lacrosse game, a softball game, and a basketball game. I mean, in a, in a baseball game, um, basketball as well. And I think that's good for the other athletes to see, you know, the coaches and the other players supporting them. Definitely. It always means a lot. And I think Mike Schwartz made an appearance at Clark McClary last night. At least he said he was going to, so hopefully he followed through. <laughs> I would that. have, but yeah. I was at Perkins, yeah. you know, watching Little League. So Hey, you got to support your kids <laughs> first. You. So. Um, but on the family note, I know you've talked about this a lot, obviously, with Corey being your husband on staff. Uh, I'm just curious, you know, from my perspective as a married man, like how, how was that relationship, you know, how do you separate Coach, uh, Coach McNeil's from, you know, husband and wife? Like when you all go home, like – it, it just seems like it'd be somewhat of a challenge to, you know, work together all the time and be at home. Obviously, you know, have a great relationship, I'm sure. But uh, that, the dynamic of that, um, can you walk us through that? I'm sure it's, you know, an, an interesting thing. Yeah, so when we were together at Virginia as assistants pre-Gabby and Caden, um, that's all we talked about. We came home because we both worked with the guards at Virginia. Mm-hmm. And all we talked about is what we're going to do the next day with the guards. Right. You know, who recruiting, da, da, da. Then when they came along, they really helped. You know, because now when we go home, it's more about, you know, who's taking who to practice or who's going to go out in the field and throw the ball or who's taking who to basketball practice. Um, So it's really allowed us to really enjoy our family and not talk about basketball as much, even though we do. It's just not as much. But, you know, I get that question all the time. You know, what's the dynamic? You guys are around each other all the time. But, you know, we find our way, you know, to separate. You know, we drive in to work separate cars, you know. he, his family's in Baltimore. He loves spending time with them, so he goes up there and spend time, spends time with his family. Um, but it's nothing better than knowing that the person sitting to the right of you ha- truly has your back. Um, trust him. Um, he challenges me. You know, sometimes he challenges me a little bit too much and I get upset. Um, but, but I need that. Like, I don't want my staff to be yes people. I want them to make me step outside of my comfort zone. But understanding at the end of the day, we're all on the same page and we're all here for the same reason. But Corey's a great basketball mind. You know, he's going to be a head coach one day. Um, great with the, the, the girls on and off the court. Um, just a, a true father figure, you know, for, for the young women. Um, I just think, you know, players playing at ECU for women's basketball are pretty blessed. They got a mom and they got a dad away from home. It is crazy. I, and I love watching the huddle, too, like the dynamic yeah. of, you know, him maybe drawing on the board or you drawing on the board. Yeah. And, like, whoever's not doing that thing comes and kind of has the final word before yeah. going back to play. So, um, just the awesome. What, what's that dynamic like as well? You know, kind of balancing mm-hmm. in the huddle. Uh, you know, what, maybe one's the motivator, one's the X's and O's coach, depending on what the situation is. You know, we really play off of each other. We're both very, very, very competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and our practices are extremely intense. And so he knows if I'm having one of those days where I'm rah rah, then he's the good guy. Right. If he's coming at, then I'm the, I'm the good guy. Um, but we really do balance each other um, and play different roles. You know, um, there's times when, you know, I'm the one in the huddle, and then there's times when I'm so upset he'll, he'll be like, you know, let let me. Same kind of as in right. practice. If I'm like, ah, then he'll come in and like, all right, everybody. Da, da. But we, we really do play really well off of each other, and we have different strengths. That's my other staff as well. Tamoria, you know, is really, really good with the players, really good in recruiting. You know, Jeff has been doing this for 30-plus years. He's been a head coach himself. Um, so he was he was a really good factor for me this year, having somebody on staff that has sat in that chair before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought it all fell into place for us this year. She is Kim McNeil. Kim, this was awesome. Thanks for coming right. in studio and uh, sharing so much time. And awesome season for you guys. Again, congrats on the extension. Thank we'll, you. We'll get you back in before the season, maybe in the fall sometime. But uh, we appreciate it, and uh, congrats on a great season again. And 
We'll see you next time. Thank you, and go Pirates. That's Kim McNeil, head women's basketball coach over at East Carolina. Exciting season ahead. Go and support this team. Should be a fun season inside Minji's Coliseum for both the women and the men. All right, on the other side, we're going to talk about last night's baseball game. We'll get into that. i got several thoughts to share. One of the more entertaining baseball games we've seen in some time. Uh, you're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Here there be pirates. Back to Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo. How good is this on 94.3 The Game? All right, welcome back into the program. Just had an awesome visit with Kim McNeil. Head women's coach, really appreciate her time. We went around 40 minutes, talked about the returning roster, the season ahead. Stay tuned for some big scheduling news, perhaps, as she said, and a whole lot more. So, a great visit with Coach McNeil. Really appreciate her time. Great visit with Coach Schwartz on Tuesday. A lot of, a lot of positive vibes right now around ECU basketball, and I, I can't recommend enough. Come November, guys, get out to Minji's Coliseum. Really, really love these two coaches. Really love ECU Athletics right now, where where it is from a leadership and coaching perspective. So uh, support these teams if you can. Um, let's talk some baseball. Of course, the game, we had the game on 94-3, the game last night, and it was just, if you take the emotion out of being an East Carolina fan and step back and look at the game as a whole, it was it was great theater. It was one of the more entertaining sporting events I've ever covered, especially as a regular season midweek baseball game. Campbell wins the game 14-13, to almost an unbelievable score um, for two really high-quality baseball teams. There were just so many swings of momentum. It was a regional atmosphere. The attendance was over 4,600. It felt like more, honestly. You know, I have several thoughts. I'll get into as many as I, I can. First off, I, I think Campbell's a great team this year. People that just look at it, seeing that Campbell swept ECU this year and are saying ECU is having a terrible year as a result, which there were a lot of hot takes on Twitter last night. You got to understand, Campbell's really good. They're, they're, they got 40 wins. They're 40 and 11. They're potentially going to host a regional, especially after going 3 and 0 versus ECU. They have other quality wins as well, but. Uh, at the end of the day, ECU's lost three times to Campbell by one run. Two plays here or there they could have taken the season series. In a, in a, in a word, it's baseball, but also uh, Campbell has proven to be the better team because, in my opinion, defensively and situational hitting in all three games, they've been better, uh, especially defensively. Last night, ECU had three to four plays they just simply should have made, and there were no errors on the board, as Cliff Goblin said, post game. But in these tight games against top 50 teams, ECU now 4-6 and six against top 50 competition this year, five of those losses by one run, in all five of those games, you can point to maybe one or two defensive plays that have really cost ECU. So Cliff Goblin said it best. they got to continue to get better at it. Running out of time as far as the regular season, I still really like this team, especially from a pitching perspective. Clearly that didn't show at times last night, but I love the fight. They were down 4 nothing, came back, took the lead, down 11-5, came back, took the lead. So uh, just a great game to watch if you take the you know fandom out of it. But um, tough way to, to lose, obviously giving up three in the ninth as Campbell wins at 14-13. to All right, we got to get another break in before we wrap up the show. On the other side, I'll get into what, what this means for ECU's hosting chances and uh, more on that where the RPI sits going to the South Florida Series. We'll be right back on Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. The Pirates play here. Arr! This is Hoist the Colors Radio with Stephen Igo. Yes! That was so good! On 94.3 The Game. 
Alright, welcome back into the studio, 94.3 The Game, Hoist the Colors. Had an awesome visit with Kim McNeil earlier, and check that out. By the way, this will be on podcast, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. You can go back and listen to the interview that way. This will also be archived on YouTube with the live stream as well as Facebook. And tomorrow, by the way, we're going to have Hank Hinton of Interbanks Media in studio. He, of course, also helps uh, organize and run Team Boneyard, the NIL Collective, and he's going to have an announcement along with some updates. We'll also take your questions on you know, where the NIL Collective stands. We've, we've Every coach we've had on this program, Mike Houston, Mike Schwartz, Tim McNeil, we've, you know, Cliff Godwin, we've discussed NIL and the landscape of college athletics. Well, East Carolina has to find a way to keep pace in its own rights, uh, obviously do as much as they can. So we'll get into that discussion with Hank Kenton on tomorrow's program. Um, so baseball projections just dropped from Baseball America, and the postseason picture continues to take shape. Again, all of this is projecting. The field will not be announced until Memorial Day after the conference tournament season, but ECU going into its final regular season weekend series taking on the South Florida Bulls, that series will start tomorrow. The team is actually about to travel to Tampa here this afternoon. So Pirates are a half game out of first place in the American Athletic Conference, and pretty much everybody you talk to kind of agrees. If ECU wants to have any shot of hosting a regional, they have to win a probably a conference tra- tournament championship along with maybe a regular season title, and Houston takes on Cincinnati. So if you're ECU, basically you have to find a way to sweep this weekend and then hope Houston drops a game. South Florida is at the bottom of the league, but you're still playing the series on the road. And then you got the conference tournament. So last night's loss, ECU dropped from 19 to 21 in the RPI. Campbell went from 22 to 19. And that obviously Campbell now 3-0 and against East Carolina on the field. Yes, they're midweek games and not weekend games, but that's going to be hard to overcome if a hosting spot comes down to Campbell versus East Carolina. Right now, Baseball America has neither team hosting. They actually have ECU going to Wake Forest, the number one overall national seed as the two seed, along with UC Irvine and Davidson in their projected field of 65. So that, or 64, that would be a brutal draw uh, as Wake Forest has been the most consistent team in America all year. The only good news is it would be drivable and, you know, a chance for ECU fans to attend. They have Campbell as the two seed in the Clemson Regional. And talking to some Campbell people last night, Campbell Stadium on campus has basically been told by the NCAA that it's not going to happen. So what they've done is they've submitted a bid to host in Fayetteville, which, of course, is where ECU played them earlier this season in a neutral site game. So if Campbell does end up hosting and last night's win – and maybe they find a way to win a conference championship this weekend, conference tournament title. If they end up hosting, ECU could potentially go there to Fayetteville as a two-seed, along with some of these other regional destinations. So keep an eye on that, along with some of these other teams. Like Baseball America at this point has South Carolina hosting as a 13. They have Boston College hosting as a 14. Dallas Baptist and Indiana State at this time are their last two hosts. So, this is still a very fluid situation. A lot of it will change based on what happens not only this coming weekend but in conference tournaments. So I think at this point ECU almost has to run the table this weekend at USF and then sweep in the conference tournament to have a shot. More than likely they're looking at a two-seed right now just given their four and six top 50 record and some of the things that they have unfortunately not uh, executed to win some of these big games. But still a very 
talented, potent team that I think can have a, a, a good season, a uh, good postseason run if everything comes together. So tough loss last night, but a lot to look forward to still for the Pirate baseball team as they are 38-15 and 15 overall. All right, that'll do it for this program. We'll talk more baseball tomorrow along with the Team Boneyard NIL Collective. Again, thanks to Kim McNeil for stopping by. Also, thanks to Clark Willis and Chris Cook for producing today's program. We'll be back tomorrow at 12 noon. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 The Game.